0: Hello there and welcome to Loons Weekly, a match preview podcast presented by Minnesota United. Callum Williams alongside Kendra D. St. Aubin and Jamie Watson. Welcome to the podcast. Now, we have a lot to talk about, don't we? Believe it or not, Minnesota United start the season 2-0. Six goals. There are only one of three teams that have done that so far this campaign. I know, I know, I know, I know it's early. But you can't help Kendra not get excited about this.
1: It's still better than being 0-2, yeah. right? I mean, we'd be sitting here at 0-2 going, ah, you know, it's it's early, give the team time. But like at two and 0, you gotta you gotta toot that horn. You gotta go with it. I mean, this is a completely different feel from last season and of course 2017. But this team just has a different way about them in the way that they're winning. It's not just the fact that you have two wins on the road against Western Conference opponents. It's the way they go about it, the way they're closing off games, the way they're shutting teams down. Vancouver, San Jose, not strong sides. Totally get that. But you still got to take care of your own business. And it's interesting listening to Mark Watson at training because he's very much like – we're not going to focus on what they're doing. We're going to do what we do. Mm. And I don't know that we could have said that the last two seasons about this club and training when they're doing tactical work. A lot of it was about how do we shut down their guy? How do we play for what they're going to bring at us? Yes. And this year it's, we are on the front foot. Even if we're on the road, we're going to play aggressor. We've got a style and a roster that can get this job done. And it's just a completely different feel. And it's really, really fun to be a part of, even though it's only two games in.
0: It is a completely different field, Jamie. Psychologically, what does this kind of start to a season do for a roster? Well, I mean, we've talked about
2: how different this group is than years past. Five new players you add in the draft picks. You've already seen Hassani Dotson make an impact with the Which, first which I want to
0: talk about him later on for sure. Absolutely, he's
2: well worth talking about. Um, you had five new starters on on opening day in Vancouver. Um, same starting lineup for San Jose, but you look around. Out of those five new new guys that don't know what the Previous culture was like what the previous mentality was. They came in with the blank slate. The other six, all full internationals with their respective countries. So you're talking about a group of players that have been tested before on the international stage, but then also with the new guys that have been brought in. Which, by the way, Ico has a cap. Ramon Tenere has a cap. Cuba for Ozzy Alonso, Jan Gregus, and Vito Minoni Well, he doesn't have a cap, but he's played with the youth. Italian national teams as well. Yes, yes. So you start to say, right, this is a very experienced group, a new group that come in and say, right, this is the mentality. You kind of got this fresh new look. And you talk about stadiums, you know, doing that to a club and kind of helping change things. Well, this is the perfect kickstart to Allianz Field. And I can only imagine what it's going to be like when you inject Allianz Field and you inject that life into the club and into this fan base. It's only going to get better and better. And Kendra, to piggyback off of your point, 2-0, that's great. If it were 0-2, the sky wouldn't be falling. 2-0, mm-hmm. you're not winning MLS Cup tomorrow. But also, regardless of who it is that you play, you can only be the teams that are in front of you. Exactly. Yeah. It's not Minnesota United's fault that San Jose and Vancouver don't look great through two weeks, but is this a different discussion in two months' time if they're very good teams and um, you know they're doing well in the Western Conference and they win the next eight in a row, then you're saying, well, wait a minute, hold on. Now those look like better wins. Yeah. Only beat the teams in front of you, but man.
1: And what if we would have lost to them? And you're going, oh my God, you can't beat the two worst teams, you know, two of the worst teams in the West. Like the you, you, you're you exactly right. You can only play who's in front of you. It's like if Zlatan doesn't play this weekend for LA. Uh-huh. Like we can't control that. You can only beat and play who's in front of you. And and that's exactly what Minnesota's done.
0: I think that's, and obviously we'll get to LA Galaxy later on in the podcast, but that for me now will be the true real test for this Minnesota United side, simply because of the stature of LA Galaxy and Mm -hmm. the reputation they have around world football. Before we talk about that, though, and a myriad of subjects that we have to cover on this podcast, take me back to San Jose Earthquakes, Kindra. I know it's a club you're very familiar, having lived around the area and whatnot. Um, Is this the most disorganized... Poor, least effective San Jose earthquake side that you've seen in some time. And again, look, I know it's early, but we can still label them. Can't we?
1: Well, I just think that's, that's a tricky question because they have been so bad the mm. last two seasons and so discombobulated with all the coaching changes and Fiorenelli coming in. And we've heard all sorts of kind of quote, horror stories about him doing the locked locker room, halftime speeches and kind of mm. taking over the coaches and, I mean, it's it's just crazy that that they don't seem to be getting on the right path after years now, and I don't know what to make of Mattias Elmadi. I mean, as a coach and what he's done in the past with other groups, phenomenal. But at the same time, he had different rosters then. Yeah. This roster has been pieced together from you know back Dominique Kinnear days, and then you know the Chris Leach, and then who out, who was it last year? Mc- Make of, yeah. So you've got all these, like you've got four or five different coaches that have maybe brought in one or two pieces that fit their style and their mold. And now you've got them all together in one, in one not really cohesive unit. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they know who they are. And if Matias Almeida does stick around and he, he sees this through for a few years and he gets the guys in that he wants that fit his system, then maybe it can be something worthwhile because we've seen what he can do and turn around clubs. But They just look like nobody knows what's going on. They're just not on the same page, this man-marking system. What do you want from your outside backs? What do you want from your center midfield? They don't have a true number 10. They have an open DP spot. You've got Wando, who's a legend there, trying to get the all-time goal-scoring thing. So you got to play him, but yet Houston's probably the better striker. I mean, yeah. it's just like, it's just such a mess. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to get it together this season without a major overhaul. And I don't know how you do that mid-season.
0: And it's, it's a good point that Kendra brings up as well, Jimmy, because let's be brutally honest. The earthquakes were repulsive on Saturday. <laughs> they were one of the <laughs> worst teams. <laughs> I Honestly, I, I don't think I've seen a side that bad in Major League Soccer for a while. But it's very, very difficult to, to get the pitchforks out this early in the mm-hmm. season and start poking them in the, in the direction of Matias Almeida because mm-hmm. Kendra quite rightly says this isn't really his team yet.
2: Well, and, and Kendra knows the Earthquakes organization probably better than, than any of us because she's been so immersed in it over the years. So um, she's the foremost expert in that. But I can speak about what I saw from Matias Almeida and his side on Saturday. First of all, it's a, it's a combination of how bad... Earthquakes were on the night, but also how good Minnesota United were Mm -hmm. on the night. So I don't think that obviously made life any easier for the earthquakes, but they're now 0-2 at home. First two games on the season there. But worse so worse so for me, I think Matias Almeida, everywhere he's gone, he's had an illustrious playing career. Mm -hmm. Uh River Plate, Banfield, Chivas Mm -hmm. in Mexico. When you want to have a style of play and you want to implement that, you can come in and you can say, right, who do we have here still existing player-wise? Okay, this guy can fit my system. I've realized he can, he can, he can. This one can't, 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 and can't. I need to get rid of all of them and let's just buy new players. Well, shockingly enough, MLS has a completely different structure as they have since 1996 on how you can get players, and it's evolved. But it's still not to the point where you can just throw money and buy players and get in six new players on these contracts within the salary structures and demands and the cap room that you have left, which he inherits Mm -hmm. from said coaches. So it's got to be a massive shock to him to go, wait a minute. I know that everything that I've done that's got me to this point in my managerial career, I cannot do with this current group of players. And yet also at the same time, I cannot get, The players I need to fix this. What do we do? And it feels like that's that's what's happening right now. I think he's giving it a chance with the players in place, but
1: he's doing the best he can with what he's got. Exactly.
2: But you see what you you can see a preference right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Nick Lima, who was the best player for the men's national team the last time out in the last camp in January, where they won at Avaya Stadium, Mm -hmm. hit the post and everything. Man of the match. Great performance from him. Mm -hmm. Yet both games this season, 60th minute. He's been taken off by Tommy Thompson, who has literally, Kendra, you said to mm-hmm. us, has never played right back in his life. Mm-hmm. So he prefers a guy who's not even in that position, who's never played that, that position, to somebody who, with the national team, is considered one of the top right backs currently within the cycle. It's, it's beauties in the eye of the beholder, and Matias Almeida... Beautiful man, beautiful hair. <laughs> Not a beautiful system right now for that team.
0: No. Um, let's concentrate on, on Minnesota United for a moment or two here. I thought Darwin Quintero was mm-hmm. fabulous again. Mm-hmm. And we spoke about this in the previous podcast as well, about how we were intrigued to see what Matias Almeida was going to do with the, the so-called, and I say this in inverted commas, man-marking. Mm-hmm. Because there was clear evidence of it, mm-hmm. but it was disastrous. And and the one area I caught it the most was the Brazilian midfielder Judson. Tried his best, God bless him, mm-hmm. to mark... Task, you think he knew
1: what he signed up for? <laughs> so, yeah,
0: <laughs> He tried his best to mark Darwin Quintero. And this is where I thought Darwin Quintero was so, so clever. Because there were times where Quintero would take him away mm-hmm. and almost play at the peak of the line as well. And force Judson into a centre-half position. And all of a sudden, Alonso and Gregor have all this space in the centre of the park because of Quintero's movement. Top that off, Quintero also got a goal as well.
1: Exactly. And I think that um, part of that is the San Jose system of the man marking and Darwin Quintero and others taking advantage of that. I mean, even Calvo overlapping from that left back. We know he's going to do that against everybody, but they look so confused. You have Magnus Eriksson tracking back, and then, you know, they just didn't know where to go. They didn't know when to pass off players. But the other piece of it is just Darwin Quintero and his intelligence on the field and his runs off the ball and reading a game. He does it so well, and it's one of those things that just goes unnoticed. You almost have to go back, watch a Minnesota United game against whoever they're playing, and watch it in its entirety, watch the whole team, what their shape is, what they're doing, and then go back and only watch Darwin Quintero. Like, your eyes are glued to him because you'll see all the little things he does off the ball when you're not watching the ball if you get that wide-angle camera shot of it. And he's just so smart in that sense. And he reads every team so well. And there are times where I think he comes back still a little too deep to get involved with the play because he just wants to be on the ball. But that was the other thing that, you know, we talked about um, or that I heard Adrian talking about in training last week is how can we use him to check back into the middle of the field? He doesn't have to turn and face up and take players on, but he does that one little, that little one touch flick into the runners and behind now that you do have some of that more pace on the outsides. And Mm. I, I just... I appreciate Darwin Cantero and what he brings to the game and his passion and energy. And if he can keep going like he is, you know, when when Darwin is winning in his numbers, like Minnesota United is winning and just it's he's a really a real joy to watch as you know, being a, a former center midfielder way back in my day long a time ago, um, he's just fun to watch and watch how he reads the game and he's a better passer than he is a goal scorer in my mm-hmm. mind and, and that's something to behold.
2: Yeah, and and I mean it was a it was a joy to watch because it was a bit of a chess match between the yes. two, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And for the first half, I'll actually give Judson credit; he, he stuck with them for the most mm-hmm. part. I, I Absolutely agree. I, f- I felt very sorry for him. Now he in the did second everything half. he could do. <laughs> yeah, but then but then it just became a matter of time. And then mm-hmm. and then what I think happened was too is is it took Darwin a few minutes to figure this out too because this is a completely unusual look mm-hmm. to have somebody there next to you at all times. So then it, then I think Darwin's mentality switched with, okay, you want to follow me. Let's yep. go for a run around the park. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to absolutely take you take you here to go there. I'm going to drag you over here to pull you into this space.
1: Look at Miguel. Yeah. I mean, he was all over the place.
2: Miguel as well. And we found Ozzy Alonso at one point in the corner with the ball because nobody was stepping over to mark him <laughs> because they were with their own respective mark. So um, Darwin was fantastic in the second half. Jutzen, uh, poor lad. I hope he <laughs> doesn't still have nightmares today about <laughs> last Saturday because Darwin can do that to you. He's difficult when you've got two or three sets of eyes on him, but one right in his pocket. I'm Judson was there for this entire second half, and it wasn't his fault. He's done it to a lot better defenders as well, I'm sure, over his career Darwin has.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. The, the other player that I'll just mention briefly as well, who I thought, again, gave a sterling account of himself, was Romar Metaneal as well, and a lot of that came through the system as well. And the fact that Iko Parra would step and all, all, all of a sudden... Uh, Miguel will come inside. That means the left back has to go with him. So all of a sudden, Roman Metanels overlapping and all of a sudden he has all this space to manoeuvre and just really tactically astute, I thought Minnesota United were...
1: And well done, well-deserved uh, making the team of the week as well. And I yeah, think, absolutely. you know, hopefully that's the thing we continue to see with Minnesota United, they get recognized. And it was fun watching Twitter and hearing all the banter and other folks outside of Minnesota United talking about Minnesota's start and really recognizing it because it's taken a while to get that respect, as Calvo said in his radio interview this week.
0: Mm-hmm. Finally, before we get a break, Jamie, I want to ask you about an individual that I know you've had a conversation with before as well. And I want to bring this up because I saw this on social media Um The transfer market's still open. People, and I say people, I say Minnesota United fans, have been saying that if anything, they would love an understudy to come in for Ozzy Alonso. We all know he's 33. He's not going to play forever. They would like someone to come underneath him and and, and learn from Ozzy Alonso. I think we already have that player in Mm -hmm. Hassani Dotson Mm -hmm. because he impressed at Oregon State in his collegiate days. He was very, very impressive in preseason, hence why they signed him as well. And it does say something. I know he's only played two minutes in two games, but it does say something that he's a real newcomer to this team and he's already in the mindset of Adrian Heath. Of course, and
2: Adrian Heath is is seeing value and adding him to close out games. One, to slow the game down, but two, also, he's seeing what Hassani does and he can trust him in that moment at the very end of a game. Look, you can... You can tell what a manager thinks of a player when he needs something done, a specific task. We need to see this out, and we need somebody to come in and do the right things and not mess up at the most critical moments when the other team is throwing numbers forward. And he's he's chosen Hassani Dotson both times, and I think that's really important. The biggest one, significantly for me, was the Vancouver yes, game especially. because that was a very mm-hmm.
1: important time. That was
2: a very important time on the road and you know, we were, there was a shift in the mentality, but the the, the win hadn't happened yet, mm-hmm. right? The, the game wasn't completely locked down. It was 3-2. He had a big block at the end of the game where he threw himself to close it down. But you're right, to this conversation we've had with him, um, I was, uh, look, a, a player that, that, like Kendra said, I did it many years ago as well too. So I, I remember being a young rookie within MLS and, and remembering that, I didn't necessarily listen to the older players around me giving advice. So I, I kind of quizzingly talked to him a little bit and started seeing if he would you know, listen and kind of take things on board or if he was just kind of, like, yeah, yeah, you know, hey, when you played, it was a long time ago. I'm here now. I've got it all kind of figured out. I've made it. And he listened. He sat there and he listened. He took it all on board and said all the right things, not to appease, but to say I want to be learning from the guys in front of me. And I told him, I was like, don't make the mistakes I did. I didn't listen to the guys in front of me. I didn't listen to the other guys. And he goes, no, no. He goes, with all due respect, I never, ever want to be like you. And I go, with all due respect, that's exactly the the answer you should give. You know what I mean? And I walked away so impressed with him because it was the first real conversation after he just played his first minutes. Mm -hmm. And I walked away going, that kid is going to be successful, whether it's this year, next year. Five years down the road, 10 years down the road, I think the kid's got a long career ahead of him because I think the six inches between his two years is right. Mm -hmm. And then you look at his physical attributes and his decision-making in the moment, that's only going to get better and better. But he's got a great basis for it now, and I'm excited to see what the rest of the year holds for him.
1: Well, and Cal, the first two weeks, three weeks of preseason, we saw him at right back. When we he did. was playing and so I I feel like the fact that he can do a few things and that they like him in a few spots, that could come in handy as well. well
2: that's probably why he finds himself on the travel roster. Right. right? When you he's, gotta make his the ability. Talent, yeah. yeah. His flexibility, his mm-hmm. versatility, that's that's huge to have. Never underestimate. When you have to make seven selections for your subs, one of them automatically is a goalkeeper. You gotta have some attacking pieces in there. Yep. You need guys that are versatile to fill out that eighteen. Not only has he filled it out, he's found himself within one of the three subs in both games.
0: Yeah, impressive individual, no doubt. Right, stay with us. We have uh, lots of Major League Soccer and international football to talk about. Right next. Hello there, welcome back to Loons Weekly. Right then, let's talk about some transfer activity in the world of Major League Soccer, shall we? Interesting one for me, Kindra. Gideon Zlalan. He's perhaps one of the most... I, I would identify him as a, a, a firm unknown quantity because it's a name that I think a lot of people are familiar with because he's been on the cusp of the youth national team and has very much been a part of the Arsenal setup, uh, the youth setup for, for many, many a year. He's had loan spells in Holland and I saw him play for Rangers in Scotland. And now he's gone over to Sporting Kansas City. What are your initial thoughts on this move?
1: He's 22. I mean, that just blows my mind when you read through his bio and where he's been and what he's done and what he's been a part of so far. And then Peter Vermees scores this pickup in my mind to come over. And I don't know much. I haven't seen him play like you've seen him play and, you know, not as familiar with his actual ability in that holding midfield role. But just knowing what it seems like Peter Vermees likes to do, he has a very distinct quality in every position that he seeks out. And he's got his entire staff doing this in the six and the 10 and whatever positions, the eight. He has certain qualities that they have to qualify as, and he fi- wants to find a player that they aspire to. So maybe like a big time player in the EPL that, you know, like this is the guy we want you to look like a current player on the roster that has those qualities. And then a youngster, either that through their academy or that they acquire from somewhere else fits those qualities and could be that player eventually. And to me, this is, this is just Peter is working his magic in this signing and this find for me because he doesn't just willy nilly go pick players to fill spots and whether or not he's going to fill a void for maybe some of the older holding midfielders um, that are currently on the Sporting Kansas City roster. I think it's it's a good pickup for them. I think it's a quality pickup, and it'll be exciting to see what the 22-year-old can do in MLS. And I think it, it speaks volumes again about the league mm. and the quality of players that young players that they're bringing in.
0: So, Jamie, let me just run through some of the names. We all know Sporting Kansas City player three in the central midfield, right? Roger Espinosa, Gutierrez, Sanchez, Rowe, and now Zlalem. That is the absolute epitome of depth, is it not? <laughs> it is. And he left off
2: Busio as well in there, who just got start like to weekend. Yeah.
1: And he's what, 16 now? Can he yep. drive to practice yet? <laughs> Mom and dad got to
2: drop him off. Mom, you're going to make me late to practice. Um, look, Zalam has a lot of proving to do. And it sounds crazy. Because at one point in his career when Danny Carbassio, an Arsenal scout, former US international who played for Arsenal, found him, discovered him. I remember him telling me on the phone, I've found this kid and he's going to be the next big thing. Mm. And at the time, all indications pointed to that. Now look, injury set him back. He's now bounced around on, on loan. Real, the realization that he was never going to probably make it to the first team in Arsenal has set in and he needs a change. Otherwise, his career is he may be on the books at Arsenal, but that's going to be about it. So we needed something different. And I think coming to MLS can can provide that. He's probably low risk in the salary department. Mm-hmm. They probably structured the contract to say, right, if you do well and you play, you get a chance to you know develop here further, and you'll have a, a career here for one of the best you know teams in the Western Conference and all of yep. MLS. Having said that, I'm not as bullish on how much playing time he'll get because of everything that you just said. Cal. Yep. Completely. Agree agree with list of said. Players. And, and it's no fault to his own, mm-hmm. but I think he needs to almost revert back that mentality of when he was first being scouted by Arsenal and wanting to go in and learn from all the players, like Seth Fabregas, whatnot at, at Arsenal. He needs now go in and do that from the old guard of Roger Espinosa he needs to go in there and find that. Learn from Ilya Sanchez. Now, it's this. It's different comparison. That's rough
1: That's rough to have to learn from those guys. <laughs> exactly, right?
2: <laughs> Ilya is more of that, that defensive midfielder. Zalam has the attacking creative flair, but positioning-wise, where to find him? He's going to compete. Learn from Gutierrez. Yeah. Learn from him, but compete with him each week. Um, I think this is one to watch out for as the years tick on because you made a good point about this, Cal Espinosa. He's getting up there, isn't he?
0: He's going to be 32 this year, yeah.
2: So... And As somebody a that is interview. 32, I actually regret that I said that. He's not getting up there. He's, he's now thriving, a very young spry 32. Um, I think that'll be his one big hindrance is just the group in front of him that they have Peter Vermees's trust. They know the league. Zalam has got to earn all of that from Peter Vermees and his teammates to get his opportunities. Can he be a sub late, games, late in games when they need an attacking piece? Sure, but I don't know if he'll feature – Much of it all this year in 2019, but 2020 beyond, if it works, I think this could be a a very, very good pickup at what I presume to be probably a low cost.
1: Well, you know Peter Vermeer better than anybody. I mean, he doesn't do anything without a plan.
2: No, no. There's a
1: method to his madness. <laughs> and I say that kindly in, yeah. in the word madness.
2: Oh, no, it's madness,
0: too. It's absolutely <laughs> mad. It's absolutely, There's an intensity about mad. him. He's bonkers, yeah. But He's that's what you chat, love him for. That's yeah. what we love Peter for. Absolutely. And, <laughs> I mean, look, what, yeah, what I'll say is, it echo everything that you guys have just said, but... I think, um, you know, Peter Vermees, for for many a year, has made signings not only with the season ahead of him in mind, it's also with the future in mind as well. As we mentioned, Gideon Zalalem is 22 years Mm -hmm. of age. I think you're you're completely right, Jamie, in the fact that he kind of thought to himself, right, I'm not going to make the Arsenal team. Mm -hmm. And he's he's 22. If he was 17, 18, you you still have that in the back of your mind. You think, Mm -hmm. Yeah, no problem at all. I saw him play in the Scottish Cup final for Rangers and thought he was really, really good. He certainly didn't look out of place at all. Um, so, there's no doubt in my mind that he can play at a very high level. Um, but I also think, as you both alluded to, 10, 15 appearances I can see mm-hmm. perhaps being in his future in 2019 because Roger Espinosa may not very well play. Um, you know, we've got a lot of Wednesday games coming, haven't we? You know, and, and that's maybe where you will see uh, Zalalem. He'll have to back with Kellam Rowe in the centre of midfield as well. And They paid a good price for him, by the way. For Kellen Rowe, they well, gave that, up that, Diego Rubio. That was a, re- but also that was a tremendous well, trade they, they as won well, won by for me. But yeah, you
2: also say too, Peters also put something into that, so there is a little bit more of a, I need to prove that this was a good trade as well. So Kellen Kel Rowe comes in and with mm. that little bit behind him of you know, hey, let he wants this to work because otherwise you gave up Diego Rubio. Well, there's, the some Rowe,
1: there, there's some pride. There's there's some pride, right? When these sporting directors or coaches make those kind of moves, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know they they that. I mean, you've seen that.
2: You, you when you make a trade. If you're the guy that made the call, Peter Vermees is the ju- the judge, the jury, and the executioner in Sporting Kansas City, isn't he? Yes, he is, yeah. So doesn't he want to be made to look like a genius instead of going, right? okay, we traded this guy, and then Kellen Rowe never featured. There's now pluses and minuses to inside. having
1: all the titles. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. What do you uh, think? Do you think any of those 10 to 15 appearances, do you think any of them as starts? If so, how many for Islam
0: I think starts. I think, and, you know, <laughs> speculate between yourselves at home what this means but but i think a handful of starts okay so in um, mls
1: regular season in MLS, i'm talking us open cup or no nope, re-
0: yeah. regular season yeah. I, I think there are a handful of starts for zalalem in his future but i i, I don't think he's going to be the first name of the team shit by, by any stretch um you know as, as we've just said i just think sporting Kansas city are so deep in the mm-hmm. center of midfield
2: mm-hmm. i'll ask you this one cal does it make anybody in that midfield expendable to help them out anywhere else they need because right now they're playing without a true number nine.
0: Peter Vermees will not change this system.
2: Right. He will keep the three in midfield. As he should because it's been one of the best systems in the league.
0: Absolutely. Um, I think moving forward, yes, uh, we've already mentioned Roger Espinoza. Uh, So I think in 2020 I'll be very surprised if Zalalem isn't a a first team regular and starting. Um, But in terms of attacking no i i don't think so i i still think in fact i know they're still looking for a a center forward they've identified several center forwards across world football and just haven't been able to to get any deals done you know we we all know how difficult it is to to get particularly international Mm -hmm. deals done get those over the line yeah yeah so um we'll wait and see anyway talking of international football let's talk about the concacaf champions league Mm -hmm. shall we not been a good week for major league soccer teams has it three of them have been dumped out of the tournament. Houston Dynamo, New York Red Bulls, and rather surprisingly, Atlanta United as well, Kendra. Despite them beating Monterey on Wednesday evening, they still went out 3-1 on aggregate.
1: Well, and I think what's difficult for me in that is that you mentioned teams going out, but also they just didn't look good. I mean, Red Bulls, I think I texted the group, wow, 2 nothing." that didn't take long. They went up. I think they were 2-0 up in the 17th minute when I turned it on, and then, wow, did that turn quickly the other way. Yeah, and they just what had, happened? They had no <laughs> answers for for that match. And then in, in the Atlanta game, I didn't think they looked that great. Monterey did what they had to do defensively. The way they set up, they were, they were going for this on the road. They were, they didn't care how they looked. They weren't trying to go forward. They weren't trying to attack. This was, let's get the points on the road and advance to CCL and, you know, in CCL and shut down Atlanta's attack. So it's really, and I didn't see much of the Houston match. So I don't know exactly how that went down from what I saw of the highlights, but the Kansas city might be the only the only hope that they have anyways I mean Mm. and I kind of felt that way going into it I felt Atlanta's offensive flair may have a chance to advance but then defensively there's just too many problems with trying to sort things out under Frank DeBoer's system but for me I think Kansas City has looked so sharp in these CCL matches all the way through thus far we'll see what they can do tonight they've got some ground to make up they've got some things to figure out yeah but that might be you know MLS's hope um, their only hope to really have anybody going forward in the next
0: round yeah, we are uh, recording this on uh, Thursday afternoon for those wondering, so we can't really talk about sporting Kansas City in the Champions League at the moment, unfortunately. But the one thing we can talk about, Jamie, is the US national team as well. Mm-hmm. The roster came out uh, several days ago, and there was so much anticipation about this because, you know, the, the January camp is obviously an opportunity for a lot of younger players to come in and show what they're made of. But I think with this being so close to the Gold Cup, this is the really the last couple of friendlies before a competitive tournament for the U.S. national team. So all eyeballs were on Greg Berhalter. He's gone with, with a fairly heavy MLS roster. With No complaints from, from our point mm-hmm. of view. Not at all. Uh, what what stood out for you in that roster, Jay?
2: Well, I mean, I think you, you start to narrow down the group. It was the, the January camp roster you broadened your horizons. You gave some looks to new players, but then you start to go with this narrowing it down to the gold cup, you know, with that in mind, that's the next thing on the horizon for the men's national team. Um, the The thing that stands out for me is, is just continuing on with this newer generation doubling down on the fact that these camps are no longer meant for guys that maybe are 30 plus, you know, and, and for somebody maybe like Dax McCarty, that's, that's tough because his cycle will never probably come again because they, you know, were out. And when they needed him to, when they missed the world cup in 2018, mm-hmm. it was like, wait a minute. You know, I realize that's probably done because the next one, 2022 will put guys that like him, you know, over the line of being considered quote unquote too old. So you get this young group again, and you start looking at the group. I, I noticed Jordan Morris in there, happy to see him. He's come back and had a great start to the season. Um, Sebastian Lejet did a really good job, a guy that, you know, we'll see in person this weekend, provided he's okay. Uh, Kendra, you are saying your sources say he may have a, a Batman or a Phantom of the Opera mask on <laughs> after a busted nose last weekend, mm-hmm. if he's able to play on, um, interesting. Michael Bradley maybe brought in for the leadership, maybe tying the old guard to the new, to the new group that's coming in. Um, it's just, it's youth. And, and that's the biggest thing that stands out sprinkling some experience like an Omar Gonzalez, John Brooks, you know, back in there. goalkeeping though, Ethan Horvath, Sean Johnson, Zach Steffen, new faces, new, you know, new, new guys who have a lot of experience in camp, Mm. but you know, three caps respectively for Horvath, you know, six for Sean Johnson, eight for Zach Steffen. That's not a ton of international experience. So, But they need to get this experience now in these camps and in these Gold Cups that we'll see here at Allianz Field, opening day June yep. 18th here at Allianz Field. That's going to be incredible to see. Don't know who they're playing yet, but this is the time to get that experience. So when the World Cup comes around in 2022, these guys have already now been in these situations of international matches so many times on.
0: Yeah, it very much feels like a changing of the goalkeeping guard, doesn't it? You know, the likes of Brad Guzan now no longer really going to be in this roster, although I, I think it's and also fairly Bellamy unfortunate. also not in there. And Bill Hamid not, not yet, anyway. I mean, <laughs> we'll, we'll see through the next one, <laughs> what do, we? They were fourth and fifth. I'll let would you be figure great out if those who was fourth It would and be, fifth
1: if it'd be great if those two could be on the roster together, just to see that battle out. It'll be a... Sharing niche. a hotel room. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're roommates, <laughs> for another, sure.
2: Another opportunity for Greg Berhalter, too. Another opportunity to continue to press. I think people were... You know, excited to see a system. I don't think it's anywhere near the finished product. No, but as we've talked about, Cal, and you're a big proponent of this. His biggest challenge was what doing it once every 60 days when you get to see him for you know international games, as opposed to four games a month, five games a month, where yeah. you see it day in and day out with the players. You you were a big proponent of that, saying that's going to be the interesting hurdle for him to get he over. Handle that, yeah. It's what are different. you expecting to see from Greg Berhalter, though? Mm-hmm. For you, what would make you say this is a successful two games in this spell, this camp.
0: I think um, again, uh, it, it, in my opinion, results. Of course, everyone likes to win. Don't mm-hmm. everyone loves to win? Winning's fun. We Winning's know that now. great. Yeah, we're seeing that now. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I genuinely think if he can nurture his ideas, if if he can solidify his system, and get the the players in this camp to buy in, and, and those that'll be. Within the camp in the future as well, I, I think that will be viewed as a success. Now, hopefully, that comes with victories as well, but who knows? Anyway, we, we do have to move on. Give us a platform; we could talk for hours, couldn't we, the three, yeah, of, the us, three right? of us?
1: No. <laughs> Nobody oh. will be listening that yeah, long, but we'll still be talking.
0: <laughs> uh, let, let's. Uh, so, first of all, uh, just some Minnesota international footballing news. The likes of uh, Calvo, Schuler, uh, Metanau, Gregush, and Romario will all be representing their countries uh, during the international break as well. So, good luck to them. Back to Major League Soccer and Kindra. I want to get your thoughts on this FC Cincinnati's home mm-hmm. opener. They host Portland Timbers over 30,000 expected at Nippert stadium. All of us were very impressed with what we saw in USL. Mm-hmm. What should we expect from them at home in major league soccer?
1: I can't imagine it'll be anything less. I mean, how how the atmosphere there in USL, I think it left people wanting more in MLS, maybe some clubs that weren't getting those kind of crowds and that kind of a following is like, what have they done there? And they're clearly doing something right they got off on the wrong foot against Seattle, but they've rebounded really nicely against Atlanta. And that, to me, says a lot about this club. So now the fact that they are coming home to their home opener in this beautiful stadium where they've already packed the house to the brim in USL days off of a draw, which felt like a win mm. at Atlanta on the road the day that they were hanging up their MLS championship banner and handing out the rings, I mean, the, the place is going to be rocking. And and deservedly so. Those fans have stuck by this this club, and now they've – they're up with the big boys in MLS, and I, I would imagine you know, the Portland Timbers are going to put on a show as well. They've got something to prove after their result last week.
0: Fernando Adi scoring a goal is just in the script, isn't it?
1: Oh, it has, has to, to be. Happen, drama. Right. Anytime you <laughs> play your former club, yeah. you know, that's that's got to be – Oh, the, players we'll say, play the players will mm. say, "The players will oh, I don't mark it. I'm like, bull, B.S. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, you yeah. absolutely circle that is. day on your calendar. As your coach, a player, whatever, it doesn't matter. You could be the head trainer facing your form club. <laughs> like you are circling that day on the calendar.
2: It's however however it ended is how many times you circle it. It's you how know? <laughs> yeah. you know, there's one. If, <laughs> if it was a bad breakup,
0: circle that 10 times over. <laughs> All right, stay with us. Next up, we talk about Minnesota United at LA Galaxy. Hello there. Welcome back to Loons Weekly. Right then, as we said earlier on, Minnesota United start the season two and zero with victories away at Vancouver Whitecaps and San Jose Earthquakes. Wait,
1: say that again. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the sound Just of it. Rolls <laughs> off the tongue, Just very it? easily now, doesn't
0: it? Yeah, we're, we're becoming far too arrogant about this. Um, <laughs> far too used to it already. Uh, but in all seriousness, at least in my opinion, Kendra. And I say this with all due respect to the previous two opponents, this will now be built as the toughest task in the opening few weeks for Minnesota or away at the Galaxy.
1: And and I think it's it's the most difficult task, not just because it's LA Galaxy, and um, if Zlatan plays or not, we don't know. We don't know if he's going to be out there. But it's the legend of LA Galaxy. It's what the club brings. It's what their history holds. It's it, This is a championship-caliber club time and time again. And it was one of those teams that this, all they do is win, and they find a way. So the fact that they missed the playoffs and in 2017 people were I, I think people were shocked especially mm. in the fashion in which they did it and having Zlatan on that team but this is a big one not just because it's LA but the other factor for me it's tough to win three games anytime in MLS let alone on the road so you don't have that letdown, you don't have that faltering from a club and uh, to go and have to do that and get the third win in a row in LA it's it's going to be a tough challenge but it would be a huge another huge boost and a feather in the cap for Minnesota.
0: Minnesota may very well, Jeremy, have a little helping hand, as Kindra said there. Reports suggesting no Juninho in the central midfield. Um, Alessandrini also struggling. Zlatan Ibrahimović, the obvious name everybody wants to see and hear. We're told not train much, if at all, this week. So all good signs heading into LA for Minnesota.
2: Yeah, I, I think
0: LA Galaxy
2: is, is in a transition period because they're while they've they've picked up the likes of Joe Corona, um, they've still got Jonathan Dos Santos, who's just been called up to the full Mexican national team. Say full, he's been doing that for a while now, but uh, he um, he's a big piece of the puzzle. But they're in a transition period because you're starting to see the likes of Uriel Atunia get a start. Yeah, um, you see Efrain Alvarez, who's getting a significant role in the first two games at 16 years old. Looks good. A lot good. of hype. A lot of hype on his shoulders. He has looked good, been impactful. Um, an assist in his first game as well. But, you know, they've got this overloaded midfield that's seen a lot of injuries right now without Zlatan. And you've just lost Ola Kamara, who could be your number nine if Zlatan was, was out through injury this weekend. He could seamlessly fill in there. You've lost Giovanni Dos Santos as well. So, again, we talked about this earlier. You can only play the team that's in front of you. Timing is everything. Minnesota United is playing LA galaxy on the road in what seems to be on paper Maybe the best time possible. It's a very difficult place to play It's always been difficult whether it was Home Depot Center or the StubHub Center now Dignity Health Park It's uh, it's it's difficult to go play in that place um, But if you're a Minnesota United supporter, you have to be cautiously optimistic and I know they've set the bar high with two wins in a row A win would be fantastic, but keep in mind, a point on the road is also Mm -hmm. still to be considered a very good result. So that would put Minnesota United at seven points out of nine. If you'd have said seven points out of the first five road games, I would have Hmm. said before the season started, I would have said, I'll take that because that washes nearly a third of your road games and you get to open Allianz Field on April 13th with seven points. Hey, great. Minnesota United go get a tie. They get seven points out of the first three with two games extra to go get more points. So I think Minnesota United fans should be excited about this matchup, timing-wise, but also cautious because it is still the LA Galaxy, as Kendra mentioned, seem to find ways to win like they did on opening day against Chicago.
0: Kendra, I think from a Minnesota United point of view, one of the most positive things that we we can perhaps look forward to is over the last two years, we have seen the Galaxy quiver and and wilt defensively. Mm -hmm. They brought in Polenta from Nacional, Top club in Uruguay. We were told the other day, weren't we, that um, Skillotto had, had watched him and his plan was to bring him to Boca Juniors. Obviously, he left, went to the Galaxy. Now, Polenta is at the Galaxy. Two games, two really, really horrendous mistakes. Yep. How can Minnesota United capitalize on that?
1: Well, first of all, continue to use the speed and the pace of Romario Ibarra up top. You know, I mean, we don't know what the starting 11 is, but Adrian's past has shown us that if it ain't broke don't fix it you're not going to change anything so if he wants to go with the same starting 11 I would not be shocked but continue to go at him I mean Polenta has struggled mightily and I was speaking with someone from LA and I was like well is it just you know he doesn't need time to adjust to MLS because people underestimate sometime this league oh yes we saw Rasmus Schuler do it when he first got here having having struggles with the speed and the pace and the athleticism So does he need time? But their response was, at what cost? He's cost them two goals already. And in clear situations, they should not have probably won the Chicago game as well. And that was at home and without um, Nemanja Nikolic for Chicago. Barely snuck out with a win LA Galaxy did. So for me, that back line for LA Galaxy is once again the weak spot. They have not done anything to strengthen it. It was the weak spot last season as well. They leaked goals. And polenta was supposed to be part of the answer and they just haven't figured it out. So you've got Felcher on the right. You've got Shkelvik on the left Mm -hmm. um, stairs in the middle and Bingham who, you know, is iffy at times and very inconsistent in goal. So um, I think that they just have to continue. And I heard Wado say this this week, focus on what we are doing. Let's not focus so much on what they're doing defensively, focus on what we do well and what our game plan is and it'll work and they'll come away with some points on the road.
0: The thing is as well, Jeremy, so Kindred, D. E. St. Auburn mentioned Watto, Mark Watson, the Minnesota assistant manager. Uh, for those unaware, Adrian Heath, to our knowledge, will not be making the trip to Los Angeles because of an illness, an issue. Mark Watson will be taking the team. I know you've worked under Adrian Heath before. This mentality won't change, will it? Mark Watson and Ian Fuller, John Pascarella, they'll still have the same mentality. They'll still have the same regime. Training hasn't changed us all, has it?
2: No, it hasn't. And, and as of recording right now on Thursday, Cal, you're right, it looks as though Adrian Heath will not be there. But this coaching unit is so tightly knit and so close and viewed as a unit that, you're right, nothing really changes. You just won't have an English accent giving you instructions you'll have a bit of a Canadian American accent now hmm. and Mark Mark Watson um look Mark Watson is a coach that has coached San Jose Gal- or coached the San o- San Jose Earthquakes not San Jose Galaxy geez i've got the Galaxy <laughs> on my brain during this segment he's coached the Earthquakes to some of the most success that club has ever seen back in 2012 so he's no stranger to being on the sidelines leading the line for the team and and being in charge. So he'll know what to say. Um, He'll know what to do. The group has been well-versed in in what they want to accomplish from a coaching staff standpoint to the players and to communicate to the players. So it'll be the same message now with confidence riding high. If something like this were to happen, this timing is okay for it too, because I think right now it's, Hey, it's okay. We'll just roll with the punches, Mm -hmm. continue to do what we do. And what we've done the last two weeks that have been successful you know very much on on one side of the spectrum as minnesota united is in with mark watson taking over the sideline if he does to do that or ian fuller there as well winning mentality is contagious and it, and it breeds confidence on the flip side if you're the la galaxy you're looking at a new coach that you're still getting to know in guillermo barro who's mm-hmm. had incredible success in mls as a player mm-hmm. good success as a manager at Bucca juniors as you mentioned yep he's still figuring out his path with this group of players So that feeling out period, but also, too, winning breeds confidence. Losing brings negativity, and the team has not looked good, Kendra, as you mentioned, squeaked by week one at home to Chicago. Week two in Dallas, thoroughly outplayed. Dallas should have been the winners from the get-go, and they were rightfully so. If Minnesota United gets the first goal, where does the mentality start to go for both teams? Minnesota United... We're back in that position again where we're up on top. We need to keep our foot on the throttle, close this out, get a win on the road. LA Galaxy, oh, boy, here we go again. We were down at home earlier this year. We were down last week. I just wonder, this first goal, how important is the first goal of the matchup Saturday against the LA Galaxy going to be for both teams?
1: Well, and, Cal, you've you've covered soccer around the world forever in a day, even though you're only, what, 22 now? 19, (laughs) 19 and a half. But we talked about this in our production meeting planning for this match. I mean, Zlatan is as much a part of our planning in this game if he plays or doesn't because it completely changes the look of LA Galaxy. What does that mean for them? Do do they have anything out of Zlatan aside from him that can really be dangerous that they can count on if you're the Galaxy?
0: Well, Zlatan certainly attracts attention, doesn't he? There's no doubt about it. I remember the last game um, at LA Galaxy when uh, Zlatan obviously got a little frustrated because the ball wasn't getting to him quick enough Mm -hmm. and he dropped. Mm -hmm. He dropped way too deep. Mm -hmm. But I did notice Michael Boxall following him around and giving him a little dig here and there, you know, and and that that. obviously uh, (laughs) frustrated uh, Mr. Ibrahimovic. But Jamie made a point earlier on as well about, um, oh, Ola Kamara going to Shenzhen in China. Mm -hmm. Isn't it, Just football is just decorated in irony, Mm -hmm. isn't it? At times, you know, it's just get rid of them, and and now you need Yeah. (laughs) So, look, you'd expect them to go with Pontius up fronting him, wouldn't you? You know, a tuna maybe would press a little higher as well. The the boy on loan from Manchester City. Um, So, I don't know, it's going to be really intriguing, but I also agree with what you said, Kendra, that the galaxy are there for the taking with the form that Minnesota United are in. You have to say, going into this one, regardless of the stature, regardless of the, of the prestigious nature of the galaxy, there are those around the country that would back Minnesota United going into this, and that just shows how far we've come. It really, really does. Um, right, before we go, uh, got to get your predictions. Kendra, I'll start with you.
1: I'm going to go... Uh... Gosh, do we do one with Zlatan and one without? Because <laughs> without him, I feel I feel that a shutout is 100% within the grasp of Minnesota United coming off that clean sheet since, what, May 26th of 2018 was the last one prior.
2: Was, was the last one against Montreal at home, and then now we can say, well, yeah, March 9th.
1: Yeah, exactly, March 2019. 2019. Yeah, mm. so I'm going to say it's 3-0 Minnesota if Zlatan doesn't play, and if he does play, I think it's 3-1. I think he gets one. But I do think Minnesota comes away with the points.
0: 2-1 with or without Minnesota United. Wow, Cal, hold us <sighs> out. I will go 2-1 as well. To Minnesota, the confidence is breaming <laughs> inside the Minnesota United front office. We've never had this.
1: I don't before. feel silly for saying that. I feel good about it. You know, feel
0: strong. To quite you feel strong. strong about oh, it. Oh yeah. my word! Hey, we'll wait and see, shall we? And uh, you can wait and watch the game with us as well. Uh, 9 p.m. on Saturday. It's a late one. Uh, Fox Sports North plus Minnesota United away to LA Galaxy. Join us uh, for full match coverage there, and of course for everything Minnesota United related, make sure you download that MNUFC app. It has just about everything you would ever need if you're a Minnesota United or a Major League Soccer fan. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to a Minnesota United production.